John Tory filling in here for Reshmi Nair, and it's 4.35, and that means it's smart speaker time. And today, I'm just thrilled to have with us uh, one, well, both very well-known to you, but one very well-known on this radio station, of course, that being John Moore, host of Moore in the Morning, 6 until 10 every day, and uh, Reverend Michael Corrin. I don't think you were a reverend the last time I was on radio with you. Were you, Michael? Oh, in my heart, I was always reverend. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, you were revered, you were revered, and you were a very reverend soul, but you weren't like a capital R official reverend. No, I've, I've been ordained four and a half years, and last time we saw each other was probably eight or nine years ago. That is exactly right. And last time, certainly, we've been on the radio together. Well, I'm just delighted. Uh, you may have heard me talking about uh, my experiences with you both on and off the air back uh, back in those uh, in those days. So both of you, welcome. I'm going to mix it up and really test you because you're both so good at this that a couple of the topics I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that were on the list get, sent to you and then several others are things we've been talking about today, which I'm sure you will have an informed opinion on. But let's start, uh, Michael. I talked about the Pope um, approving blessings for same-sex couples uh, if the uh, the arrangements don't resemble marriage. And so when I read it, I thought to myself, well, you know, this is solid progress, and you might want to comment on this man and his, uh, his uh, seeming commitment to reform, but it's very incremental because it talks about a lot of things that priests can't do uh, in the same context as the things that it can, that they can. I've just written a column for The Globe, actually, about this. And, I mean, you're quite right. From a secular point of view... The Catholic Church is still a long way behind most of Western society, but then most churches are. In England, just yesterday on Sunday, the Church of England did its first blessing of a same-sex couple in a church. Yes. Now, in Canada, as an Anglican, we, we marry gay couples, but over there, that was the first time. And a lot of Catholic conservatives said, well, thank goodness I'm not in the Church of England. Within hours, the Pope said almost the same thing. Now, as you say, incremental Relatively speaking, it's not so huge, but I would argue this is enormous because the Catholic Catechism has the most acid language about gay people. Uh, just two years ago, even this Pope, this Vatican said that they couldn't bless sin. Now, discretion of individual clergy, it's not a marriage, it's not in the church liturgy or a church ceremony, but in a Catholic church, a priest can bless the union of two people of the same sex who have a committed loving relationship. I think that is transformative. And I think as the Pope is, I mean, he's 87 now, I, I'm sure he looks at himself and thinks, I haven't got too long. It's so quick, the changes that are happening. What he's doing, he's opening the door for his successor to then push forward. I don't think in my lifetime, if ever, the Catholic Church will actually sacramentally marry same-sex couples. But this is a huge move forward. And for all those gay Catholics who simply want the blessing of a priest in their church, I, th I think, I mean, it is a Christmas miracle in many ways. Well, you know, Michael, you led right into what I was going to ask John, which is, you know, yes, it's reform. Uh, and yes, as you say, he's trying to prepare the ground for his successor. But there's quite a lot of flack that people may or may not be reading about inside the church about these kinds of reforms this pope is bringing about. And, you know, do you think that it, it will stand the test of time and that there won't be a reaction, perhaps, to elect the next pope whenever that happens as somebody who will sort of turn the clock back? Yeah, I'm not sure, because it's worth noting, it's kind of like stacking the Senate, right? Um, this particular pope now, I think, has stacked the Cardinal College to the point where he would control a majority. And it's worth noting, I think you guys both know, I was educated by Jesuits. Only a Jesuit could arrive at this kind of Puritan, you know, pure, logical idea that we're not going to marry people, but we're going to recognize the existence of these relationships, and we're going to say that they 
they are actually sacred, which is what a blessing actually amounts to. So I, I, I agree with Michael. It's revolutionary, and I don't know that there's any turning it around. Yeah, well, and that that would be a good thing for the church and certainly for the people who, uh, you know, want to belong to the church. I mean, boy, when you, you know, watch and I had a chance when I was mayor to sort of just see the consolidation that's taking place physically with churches, because what would happen is two church congregations would merge into one and that would then leave a, a, a site, a building uh, where a church was, and that would be turned into something else. So that came before the city and what was going on. And certainly it's interesting. I mean, it's a topic for another day, but what was going on? was in the sort of the the Protestant and Catholic and Christian churches, a lot of that was going on, whereas the mosques and the synagogues and so on were looking for places to expand. It's just an interesting commentary to be taken up another day uh, on this. But um, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, it's the great thing about watching over time. Uh, one that was not on your list, but I had an interesting discussion on this afternoon was about the definition of the middle class and how mm. Canadians see themselves. And it was interesting because what you have is a significant majority of people who make between 20 and 50,000 and I'm not putting those jobs down or people, those income groups at all, but to say that that is a very difficult income on which to live, certainly in this city and many other places in this country. And yet it is consistent with some research that I did for political reasons like 30 years ago, where every single person in focus group after focus group, without exception, when asked, well, what, where do you think you sort of fit in? They all said they were middle class. In other words, all Canadians. Um, is, is it just the case that that's who we are? And it's a good thing, I think, if it's true that no matter what the income level is, no matter how things change, that people consider themselves in this country to be middle class? Michael? I, I don't know. It's very American, actually, because in Europe, I'll speak from a British perspective, uh, middle class has a very different definition. It's less. It's partly about money, but also about attitude and self-perception. Mm -hmm. And you have very much there is a working class, a middle class, and, and if you like, a, an upper class. Very few people in North America, and this does come from the US, it's not Canadian born, it's, it, it's American born. Very few people would say they were upper class. I don't think anybody would really. They'd be embarrassed. No, that's right. They would. But, but even working class, what does that really mean? So p people who are working for, I mean, you mentioned $20,000. It's not a living wage. People who are working for money that can't even sustain them are claiming to be, to be middle class when really they're not. I'm not sure if that is a good thing because it's very softening, isn't it? It's, it's, all, it's all fine. We're all middle class. No, there are huge numbers of people, millions of people who have been left behind by the economy in this country who will never own a home, who can barely cover the rent. I mean, I deal with people all the time as a priest. And this is not exaggeration, who are living, who are going to, to, to food banks that, that sometimes they actually are in shelters and they have full time work. They, they, they can't afford to live. Do they call themselves middle class? Maybe they do. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Well, no, no. And look, I, I, I enthusiastically agree with you on that because I was mentioning earlier on when we were discussing this with a professor from the U of T. I visited many, many, many times over almost nine years the marginalized neighborhoods and before in Toronto. And the fact is, those people would describe themselves as middle class, but the struggle that they're going through is anything but what, but what we would consider to be a kind of so-called middle class existence. John, mm -hmm. um, I, I sort of have postulated from time to time that the middle class, in fact, is just getting squeezed out and there is no such thing, and yet everybody still thinks they're part of it. Well, and it's funny that, you know, Michael comes from the British tradition, but I do 
indirectly because my parents were very, very sort of raised British. And they actually looked at class on nine different levels, if you can believe it. So like there was lower middle class, middle middle class, upper middle class, there, and all three of the candidates. Um, all I can say is this. I think everybody wants to aspire to be middle class. So people who make almost nothing will say they're middle class. But I kind of agree with what I think Michael was saying, which is it's kind of shameful to make, for example, $150,000 a year and refer to yourself as middle class. I said median, that myself earlier. I agree yeah. entirely. You're, you're almost up in the 1% at that stage. Well, no, I mean, yeah, the 1%, I forget the last time I checked, but I think, you know, you're in the 1% if you're over about $357,000 a year. But $150,000 a year, you're doing pretty well. Mm. And the median income, it should be noted. So that means 50% make more, 50% make less, is $68,000. So for somebody making $150,000 to say, I'm just an ordinary Joe, is kind of upsetting. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the good news is that I think it it makes us, uh, ho- I, I hope what people become as a result of all this is still, you know, caring about each other. That is the one good thing about people considering themselves all for one and one for all. I remember when you, when I sat in these focus groups years ago and watched people talk, um, you know, there was a great sense of because we're all sort of the same, which is what they thought, regardless of the reality, that it meant they also, you know, kind of cared about each other's well-being and didn't sort of distinguish between the person who is maybe in the same room making 150 and the guy who was making 50. But anyway, I guess it's one of those things where it's, it is, as Michael says, maybe it's started in America, uh, but it certainly has now become a Canadian thing as well. When we come back, I'm with John Moore, host of Moore in the Morning, and with Michael Corrin, the Reverend Michael Corrin. Uh, another one that I'm going to giving you guys a bit of warning on this one. I'm going to talk about tipping with you uh, because it's one of those things where people for the 1100th time are fed up uh, with where tipping is going and saying maybe it's time for an overhaul in the so-called tipping culture. 445, John Tory in for Reshmi Nair. Time to check on News Talk 1010 Time Saver Traffic. John Tory sitting in for Reshmi Nair and uh, delighted to be joined in this half hour by our smart speakers for today. John Moore, host of Moore in the Morning and the Reverend Michael Corrin, a News Talk 1010 contributor of very long standing and author and various other things. So I'm going to go back to the list and make it easy on you. And uh, I'm going to ask you about tipping. But before that, I, I want to just touch on a story that was out today. Christian Freeland, our Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister, saying she plans to run for re-election. I think it would be more news if she wasn't. Uh, but maybe this is a bit of a counter to the fact that a couple of the veteran MPs have said they're not, and it can allow the speculators to start speculating on it, whether it's because of the polls. But, you know, the bloom is off her rose a little bit, I will say. And it's not entirely her fault. She's been the lead spear carrier for the government for all these years now and been the finance minister, both of which are not prescriptions for uh, enhancing your popularity necessarily. But uh, any comments, John, on Christa Freeland saying she's going to stick around? And does this indicate, you know, people are staying the course and solidarity is uh, present in the Liberal caucus? Oh, it doesn't surprise me. I have a friend in the caucus who actually says he feels, and I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this so I don't, don't identify him, but... Um, that they're kind of the federal liberals are in the position that the provincial liberals were in going into an election cycle two times ago, which is everyone's going down in flames. They're all going to die. And, the, you know, and you'll actually, as Lester Pearson's widow said, uh, you'll be happy to have lost your seat. Um, but at the same time, you know what? Don't count this government out. I, I, people have been. Andrew Coyne is so funny in writing about this. He talks about how everybody assumes that 
every single time Justin Trudeau makes a mistake, no matter how big or small, this is the end of Justin Trudeau. Well, Justin Trudeau has been the prime minister for, what, eight years now? Yep. So apparently he knows what he's doing. Yeah, well, he's been, that's right. He's been reelected, albeit with minorities, yeah. a couple of times now. So I think that's a good point. Michael, uh, it, you know, it, it's it's probably pointless in a way to sort of try and read the entrails two years before the election. These polls that are out now don't mean much either, up or down one way or the other. But does her saying she's going to stay, do you even think it, she'd say it even if she wasn't? In other words, this is what she might be expected to say as the two I see? <laughs> Well, I think the polls do mean something. I would still be extremely surprised if the Tories didn't win the next election. Uh, I'm not sure how bad it will be. I, I could be wrong. But there was a time when Christa Freeland, well, as with Justin Trudeau, uh, she could do no wrong. Also, her name was being mentioned as the next head of NATO. I'm not sure what she would do at this point. I used to interview her sometimes when she was a journalist. She's a very impressive person. Very smart. Uh, there is a possibility that... Uh, if the Liberals do lose, as I think they will, and do quite badly, there'll be a new leader required and she could step forward for that. She says she doesn't really want it. I don't know. But I think uh, she obviously has a, a decent relationship with the Prime Minister. And as you say, so many people are saying they're not going to run again. He needs someone at least to step forward and say, actually, I will be. And she will. And I have no idea what her ambitions are, but she does have them. And this is a point. She's not someone lacking in ambition. Mm, no. She's too bright. And or too intelligence. Impressive. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Let's, uh, I gave you the warning on tipping, and it's just uh, one of those stories that's out there. And, you know, I think as we are asked more and more, I was saying earlier, I get mocked for carrying cash in my pocket, but even I, because a lot of places now just don't even, don't even take cash. It's a bizarre world we've got to where cash means nothing anymore. But when you pay with the card, of course, the uh, payment machine prompts you in many, many cases in places like, you know, if you're in a shoe store, it'll say, do you want a tip? And the number starts at 15. And that's led to three out of five Canadians saying that they feel too much pressure uh, to tip. I mean, is, is it the case as 80% say that we should be reviewing the tipping culture? I mean, whatever that means. I mean, I, I was saying earlier on, reviewing the tipping culture and replacing it with what? John? Well, I still remember years and years ago, I parked my car in Montreal in a parking lot and I went to pick up my car and they didn't offer, like they didn't jockey your car, nothing happened. They would give you your keys, you'd go and get your car. And there was a sign in the window that said, tipping is not a city in China. And I thought, why am I tipping you? Like, why would I give you anything? Um, and nowadays it's reached the point, for example, you go to a restaurant and pick up the food and they want 15 to 20%. I will also also say though I like being a nice tipper I always remember I had a friend and we were out for drinks uh, in a bar and he said let's do something extraordinary I said what and he said let's tip big <laughs> You know, Michael, uh, you probably know this because you're so uh, right about and know about these things. Uh, in Japan, uh, tipping is almost considered to be sort of a, a, a bad thing. And when you sort of probe why this is, they say it's because you are already paying for good service on the menu prices or on the price list and that they consider it almost to be insulting. You'd want to offer more, you know, for anything except, I guess it's guides that are underpaid there for a guide to take you around Tokyo. But is this, <laughs> are they on the better track? A lot of places, even Toronto and a lot of places in Europe, of course, just add it in and you don't have to think about it. What, what do you think the right answer to this is as opposed to these machines prompting you to tip and making you feel like you have to? Well, I mean, Japan is a radically different culture in all sorts True. of ways. My, my dad drove a, a cab in London, England, and uh, of course, it was mainly cash when he started out. And tipping was huge. And it influenced my life because he would have quite famous people in the back of the cab sometimes. And, and he would like or dislike them 
when they were on TV, according to how much they tipped him. And I always remember growing up disliking a man called Graham Hill, who was the world racing champion. And I didn't know why until much later I realized he didn't tip my dad. And every time he came on, my dad said, whoa, that was... (laughs) I mean, look, tipping is important. Um, One of our children works in a bar, and I can tell you tipping is is vital. But, yeah, this this perfunctory approach, it's going to be there... Almost every time I have some sort of service, the the, the work done is, is wonderful. I want to give a tip, but when you're told to, and, and you look, you feel an enormous sense of guilt if you don't actually put an amount in as a tip. And you, you want to, but you, you feel pressurized. So, But I don't know how you change it at this stage. You also have to ask questions about how much of that money goes to the server. Yes. Now, I don't want to be cynical mm-hmm. here, but... You know, uh, if it's cash, I would much rather, and I generally do, I, I often have cash, give cash to the person because I know it's going into their pocket. Otherwise, I'm just a bit concerned. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on all counts. And I quite often will leave cash too, because although I even then, the way they pool it and stuff, you never really know who gets it. But uh, you sort of are hopeful the person who actually picks it up and has served you uh, is the one that takes it. Let's spend just the last minute here on one of the ones that was on your list. And uh, the government came forward today and said, the federal government, and said they were going to mandate certain levels of uh, production and sales of um, non-emission vehicles, mostly electric cars and electric vehicles, uh, starting in 20. 2026 and going all the way through for for years thereafter to a cut down on emissions. And John, you had somebody on this morning who sort of was um, suggesting that the problem isn't a lack of desire to have these vehicles, but rather is a lack of capacity to make them and make them on a cost effective basis so the price can be lower. Yeah, I would I would look at this and think 12 years is a very very long time. I mean, I went shopping for an electric car the last time I was renewing my lease four years ago, and there just wasn't anything in the pipe. This time I went in and I said I wanted electric car they convinced me that i should go for a hybrid so that's my next car my car after that is probably electric and i just think the market's probably going to correct for all of this that it it just it makes sense and then people have this reflexive hatred of anything environmental when in fact electric cars i mean tesla is not the best electric car it's year after year ranked as the best car 30 seconds, Michael. Do you have a car, electric car, or do you have any interest in getting one? And do you think this is something uh, where that can be your contribution to uh, climate change? We both, my wife and I both have Toyota Corollas. We're very boring in that way. We <laughs> would have got an electric car. The reason we didn't, um, and I think most people will be nodding their heads, is because, well, first, the price, but second, it is uh, charging stations. And it's one thing to do this in Europe, in Canada, because of the distances we routinely drive. You need a complete overhaul in the culture of where you charge the vehicle. If that can happen when prices come down, the market will do all we need to to get done. And I think that really does sum it up. If those two things happen, I think a lot of people will buy them uh, happily and uh, without uh, incentives from the government. Michael Corrin, Reverend Michael Corrin and John Moore, host of Moore in the Morning. Thank you both very much for being part of the Smart Speakers today. Nice to be here. It's coming right up on 5 o'clock. And after 5, we'll talk about the war in Ukraine. We must not lose our will. We've got to stay the course on this, so I'm going to comment on that and perhaps take your calls. News Talk 1010, The Rush, John Torrey for Rush Minaire.